Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and wow. The San Francisco 49ers have fallen to 3-3 three and three on the season, 1-3 on the road this year after a 28-14 loss against the Atlanta Falcons at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. And folks, I want to get a few things out of the way first. And the first thing is, if you see me or hear me, excuse me, eating food during this podcast, it is because I am going to be munching down on a entire piece of humble pie, because I'm not going to lie, in the last podcast previewing this game against Atlanta, I was maybe a little overconfident in what San Francisco could and should, and I thought would, do on Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. I said 27-13, and I was... I'll even admit to myself, maybe a little too confident. Now, I'm not sure if it was uh, the the common cold I had that maybe made me delirious, but I openly said it doesn't matter if anyone on Atlanta goes off. San Francisco has the personnel to win this game. And I was extremely confident that San Francisco was going to pull this thing out and be 4-2 and two on the year. And I will humbly and pridefully admit I was wrong. <laughs> so, look, San Francisco lost this game, and they lost it in kind of a weird way. They lost in a fashion that saw them tie the game back up and then slowly fall apart. And I think we have to start the the analysis of the game itself kind of where most fans' heads are currently at. And that is at the injuries that San Francisco has gone through, and I do want to push back against a narrative out there, because, look, there is no denying San Francisco is the most injured team in the NFL once again. They were in 2020, uh, I don't remember the stats, but it was like they had like 17 guys on IR, and they had like the most money, the most salary cap on IR in football throughout almost the entirety of the 2020 season, right? And this year, their BUS ranking, their BUS ranking, which is a system used to, I guess, statistically analyze how healthy or how injured a team is. The higher the rating, the more healthy you are. The lower the rating, the more injured you you are, and San Francisco is at the bottom of the NFL, number 32 with a 60.4 bus ranking, meaning they're the most injured team in football once again. Now, the reason why I want to clarify something is because, and I put on, I put this on Twitter, I said Marcus Mariota only had one incompletion against the number one ranked defense in football. Let that sink in. Now, I understand that there is context that goes into that. By no means does that mean Marcus Mariota was slicing and dicing San Francisco up. What that means is that he was efficient. He had one incompletion and it didn't come till the fourth quarter. That's pretty good. Now again, he only had 13 completions. It's not like he was killing San Francisco with his arm. The defense allowed 21 points. They didn't put up more than 28. And this game could have been entirely different if a number of things had or had not happened. But 
sticking with the Marcus Mariota one-in completion and you know how hurt San Francisco is, I want to push back on this narrative of the number one defense in football didn't play on Sunday. Now, look, Nick Bosa did not play. That is a pretty big player, and a pretty impactful player, if not the most impactful player on defense, to not play. Guess what? I understand that. Not having Nick Bosa, or excuse me, not having Eric Armstead on the inside, that's a pretty impactful player to not be playing. I understand that. Not having Emmanuel Mosley on the field, who will not play the rest of the year due to an ACL tear, that's a pretty big loss for this team. Again, three impactful players not on the field, but do not get it twisted. Fred Warner still played, Dre Greenlaw still played, Ebukam still played, Mooney Ward still played, albeit he was he got hurt in the in the first half and didn't play the second half, so there's your one caveat, right? But people are saying that, you know, Hufanga still played, Lenore still played, and Gibson still played. Uh that's eight starters. Eight of eleven. Now, if you want to say that well, Kevin Givens also played. He's also a starter. And if you want to say Kevin Givens isn't the starter, he has started five of six games this year and was the defensive tackle when this team went on their run to be the number one defense in football. Tayshawn Gibson, albeit would not be starting had Jimmy Ward been healthy, guess what? Gibson has started and played every single game this year. He has been the quote-unquote starter all year. The only technical starter in the secondary to not play on Sunday was Emmanuel Mosley. Now, you can argue that because Lenore playing now on the outside instead of nickel, with Dante Johnson joining the defense this Sunday, activated from the practice squad, him playing nickel, technically, again, technicalities here, eight starters still played in this game. Now, some of them out of position, I get that. Some of them a, a, a one half of play, I get that. But the number one defense in football was not that good on Sunday when it comes to the first half. Now, in the second half, they allowed seven points. They locked things down. They got things squared away. But... Marcus Mariota still, by the stat book, and even when you want to include the injuries, when eight starters still play, Mariota should not have had a near-perfect completion percentage. That's not how this game should have gone. And a weird stat like that isn't to say San Francisco's defense wasn't banged up or they're not good, because guess what? This defense is still really good. In the second half on Sunday against Atlanta, they were still really good, but maybe you can explain to me how this defense was seemingly allowing a Marcus Mariota-led offense to have 7, 8, 11 play drives and put up 21 points. This is the same team that couldn't even put up 21 or excuse me, couldn't even put up 24 points against the Browns defense 
against the worst offense with worst receivers, a worst tight end, a rather probably similar offensive line, and a far worse quarterback when comparing Garoppolo to Brissett. Now, look, the defense was on the field far too long. It felt like every drive Atlanta was on the field, it was, I don't trust San Francisco's defense. Fred Warner was awful against Atlanta. He was missing tackles left and right. It seemed like every rushing play, which was almost every play, when you consider the fact that Atlanta in this game, Atlanta in this game, had 53 total plays, or 54, excuse me, total plays offensively. 40 of them were on the ground. And it seemed like every running play was two, three yards a carry, but also every running play was San Francisco's defense hitting the running back in the backfield behind the line of scrimmage, only for that same player to somehow drag that entire defense two, three, four, five, six, seven yards for a first down or an easier third down. Atlanta in this game was 9 for 14 on third down. It seemed like every drive had multiple third downs and San Francisco's defense could not get off the field to save their lives. It felt like that every time Atlanta had the football, it was a guaranteed seven, eight-minute drive. They were going to milk that clock, and guess what? They committed zero turnovers. If your defense is going to allow the opposing offense to control that clock, allow them to run the ball at will whenever they want to, you have to then secure turnovers. Like, San Francisco had more first downs than Atlanta in this game. San Francisco almost outgained Atlanta by 100 yards in this game. But Atlanta was safe with the football and controlled the clock by 7 minutes. This Atlanta came into this game, and Kyle Shanahan will tell you this, Domenico Ryans will tell you this, Half the San Francisco roster, most importantly that defense, will tell you this. They knew what Atlanta was going to do. They were not going to have Mariota beat you with his arm on big plays. The biggest play the defense gave up in this game, if I can remember correctly, was that Zacchaeus like third down, 40 yard, 30 something plus yard catch on the first drive of the game. After that, it was 2-3 yards carry. First down, two or three yards of carry. On third down, get the first down conversion. That's It genuinely felt like that for maybe as inexplosive or a lack of explosivity, if you can stick with me here, as San Francisco's offense was, that Atlanta came in with an idea of they're injured, albeit still should be able to stop a Falcon team that doesn't even have their number one running back, they were letting second, third, fourth string running backs deplete a defense that still had the best linebacking core in football, one of the best corners for at least a half in football, 
and a safety tandem that had allowed up to week four the best passer rating of a safety duo in football. And Hufunga has, as far as coming into week six, the most tackle for losses for a safety in football. San Francisco's defense did not play well. And despite them being injured, which to a certain degree, not as much as the fans are making it, and I understand why that's the case. When you don't have the top tier guys, it makes you say, well, you didn't beat us when we're healthy. Okay, so we were 75% healthy. And this offense that is not good, didn't have their number one weapon on the ground, still was able to control the clock and run the ball at will. They got whatever they wanted as an offense, despite having one of the best defenses in football. What's the one thing that myself and plenty of other people, including fans and analysts and reporters, say about San Francisco? They have the best depth when it comes to defensive line in the NFL. Atlanta made that claim look foolish. Amenahue, Ridgeway, Akeem Spence, and again, these guys aren't world beaters, I understand that, but non-world beaters got beat by non-world beaters. Atlanta's offensive line controlled this game from beginning to end. Even if San Francisco in this game had two sacks, Drake Jackson, Charles Amenahue, and look, good for Drake Jackson, now tied for the rookie lead in football. With Aiden Hutchinson, good for him. Amenahue gets his third sack, or gets a sack in three consecutive games for the first time in his career. Good for him. Can you please stop the run? I mean, my goodness. Atlanta had 10 rushing first downs in this game. 10. I mean, come on. They had one first down from a penalty. That's it. It was run, 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 run. And they weren't even getting big plays. They averaged 5.2 yards per play on Sunday against San Francisco's defense. And they only had 121 passing yards. Again, 13 completions, 7.6 yards per pass. The rushing attack, 40 attempts. I mean, 40 attempts. You can't do that to yourself. You just cannot do that to yourself. And this is the first time since last season. Last season, Week 9, against the Cardinals, the Colt McCoy game, that Cardinals team, with James Conner, ran the ball 39 times for a far, far more efficient rate. Atlanta today ran the ball 40 times, which is the most by a Niners opponent since 2018. That was before, or that was the year Garoppolo wasn't playing, prior to Nick Bosa becoming a San Francisco 49er, and in, in really a generic way of saying it, before San Francisco was actually good. That has never happened with a Robert Sala-led good defense, a Demeco Ryans-led good defense against San Francisco. What happened on Sunday against Atlanta was an all-out smash-mouth football exhibition by the Falcons' offensive line in their running game. And I proudly proclaim that San Francisco should have dominated this game. 
on the podcast before we, we previewed this game. And I sat there and said, look, it doesn't matter what Kyle Pitts does. He didn't do much. He caught a touchdown. That's great, but he didn't do much. Drake London didn't do much. This was simply a, hey, do it till, you, till they can stop us style of play. In San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, Amenahue, the entire defense will tell you, we knew what they wanted to do. We knew what they were doing. We just couldn't stop it. Now, I don't know how to respond to that. Is that a personnel problem? Is, is, is that a not having Kinlaw and Armstead and Bosa? Maybe. Um, that's, part of the, that's part of the equation, sure. But how does that not fall on coaching? Now, again, later in the second half, San Francisco tightened things up, tightened the screws up, and gave the offense plenty of chances to get them back into the game. And we'll get into the offense because the offense was a mixed bag of really good, really bad, and Jesus, what the heck am I watching? And that's from the top down. And, but sticking with defense, because one of the, one of my complaints in this game was the fact that Drake London for Atlanta is 6'4". Kyle Pitts is 6'6". Yet defending them in the red zone on third downs were 5'11", and a 5'10", Demo Lenore and Tayshawn Gibson. Why? Why would you give the opponent a 6-inch advantage in the red zone? That's not ideal. Samuel Womack got beat by a 6'6 Kyle Pitts. He's 5'10". It's a nickel corner on a tight end. Why? Explain that to me, Demeco Ryans. That doesn't make much sense. Michael Pruitt, wide open, 6'2 tight end. Uncovered in the red zone. How does that make sense? Snagged it from Lenore out of the air. And what I mean by uncovered is, when you're 6'2", with the 5'11 guy on you, you got 3 inches on him. And you're bigger, stronger, and faster. How does that happen? How does how is that the matchup you sign off on if you're Demeco Ryans? That's a problem. That allows teams to exploit you. And if you're a coach, the one thing you want to do is put your roster, put your players in a position to succeed. And San Francisco's defense early in this game did not do that in any aspect. It was every single play, mismatch after mismatch. And the defensive line could not hold up their end of the bargain until it was far too late. Now, it doesn't just stop with the tight ends and big, strong receivers and mismatches. There has been a continued thread, whether it's Robert Sullen 2019 and 2020, or Demeca Ryans in 2021 and 2022, through six games, this defense, this scheme despite it being, as of week 6, or going into week 6, the number one defense in football, continues to struggle against mobile quarterbacks. When the Cardinals drafted Kyler Murray, and San Francisco played them the first time, it was, oh my goodness, this is going to be a problem. Against Mahomes in the Super Bowl, he was making plays with his legs, it was a problem. Against Kyler Murray 
last year, Josh Allen in 2020, Jalen Hurts last year, and Marcus Mariota this year, just for some examples, opposing quarterbacks that can run effectively and throw just enough continue to give this scheme problems. Now, maybe, and I know a lot of this, the defense seemed to perform better Last year, again, I get it, it's only one example in 2022, but they seemed to perform better last year against mobile quarterbacks, and that makes me wonder that having Trey Lance on the scout team last year with the ability to run, that makes me think it helped them better against opposing quarterbacks. You do not have that luxury this season, and let's be clear, they weren't even supposed to have that luxury Anyways, they went into this year planning to have Nate Sudfeld and Brock Purdy as the backup quarterbacks. That was the plan. Not to have Jimmy. Now, that really is a non-factor in the bigger conversation of things, but if that's the case, why don't you have... And maybe they did, but I didn't see a report. Why not have Danny Gray be your scout team quarterback? Let him be the mobile quarterback you're trying to defend against. Because, my goodness, Mariota put on a freaking clinic. And I mean a clinic. And he wasn't even that good. Like, and I think this is what kind of grinds fans' gears the most. Because Mariota on the ground today, or on Sunday, had six runs... 50 yards. He averaged 8.3 yards an attempt and one touchdown. With a big third down conversion that was when the defense was starting to get momentum and the offense was starting to kind of pick up, the defense allowed Mariota to run for like a third and 12 for a first down. It's and Ryan's the defensive coordinator blitzed on that play, leaving five men in the secondary to guard three receivers. And a tight end. You can't do that. You leave the entire second layer of the defense open. And all it takes is one move past the defensive line. And you're gone. And that's exactly what happened. Now by no means am I saying I am smarter than Demeco Ryans. He's a world, and I mean world, class defensive coordinator. He will be a good head coach one day. Deservedly so. But... This is a pattern dating back to 2019, at least when San Francisco had a good defensive personnel, and they can say, look, our defense is better than your offense when you match up guys one-to-one. And even despite having Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and Amenahue and Givens and Ebukam and Ufunga and Traverius Ward for a half of play in Gibson, again, seven to eight starters in this game, You couldn't stop Marcus Mariota? Who, we talked earlier last week, he had nine completions against the Browns. This team, at least offensively, has no business being on the same field as San Francisco. But what happens? First drive of the game by Atlanta. The first drive, 8 minutes and 46 seconds, 11 plays, 74 yards. Or excuse me, 6 minutes and 14 seconds. 
score a touchdown 7-0, and they back San Francisco's defense against that wall, wear them out, and that moment, me and you probably both knew this is going to be a different game. This is not going to go how you thought it was going to go. This is going to be not a trap game, albeit it kind of was one, but this Atlanta team, in some fashion, some former fashion, can score against our defense. And I'm sorry, um, to me, as a fan, and look, there's a reason you play the games. On paper means nothing when that clock hits 15 minutes, start the first quarter, the ball kicks off. Paper means nothing. Because as soon as that clock hits zero, you have an upset on your hands, and San Francisco is now 3-3. Three and three. There's a reason you play the game. And I'm sorry, San Francisco, the... The the East Coast travel, not an excuse. You were there for a whole week. The injuries, in my opinion, while do play a factor, are not enough of an excuse to say, oh, well, they were hurt. No, no. You let Marcus Mariota, who, by all means, is not a good quarterback, Caleb Huntley, Taylor Algier, Avery Williams, and Keith Smith, a fullback, run all over you for 168 yards and a touchdown. And that right there is the epitome of this game. They did to the Niners defense what Kyle Shanahan has yet to do this year and has been trying to do his entire career in San Francisco. Go back to last year, Week 10 against the Rams. They asked Kyle Shanahan... Is it your plan to run the game or run the ball 40 plus times a game? He's like, oh, it's not the plan, but that's what you'd like to do. And what did San Francisco do in that game? They ran the ball 40 times, got the win, controlled the clock, and backed the Rams against the wall and said, we are going to do this until you can stop us. The Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith, Marcus Mariota, and co., did exactly what Kyle Shanahan has been trying to do and actually has done multiple times. The difference is, Atlanta out Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan. They backed San Francisco's defense against the wall, wore them out, and said, beat us. We dare ya. And what did San Francisco's defense do in that first half? Folded like a piece of paper. And then that, when they retired... They beat them in the red zone with Mariota's arm. They bullied and bulldozed their way to the red zone. 15-yard touchdown pass. 8-yard touchdown pass. Boom, bang, up 21-14. Now, look, there really isn't much to glean from outside of you got your mouth pushed in, you got your mouth kicked in, what are you going to do? Now, again, I, I do want to give credit To San Francisco's defense. They did, like I've said plenty of times, they did perform well in that second half. Atlanta scored seven points in two quarters, in the third and fourth quarter. And that's where my issues with the offense come into play. And before we do so, I want to let you know, the Niners are playing the Chiefs this upcoming Sunday at Levi Stadium. You want to save some money, go support this team See Patrick Mahomes, hopefully see this Niners team get revenge on the Chiefs for beating them in Super Bowl or in the Super Bowl two years ago and save yourself some money 
along the way. Use promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase, again, at SeatGeek.com. Okay, let's talk about the offense. And I think this right here is my biggest gripe with how the fan base is reacting. Because maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Because it feels like, or at least it felt like, that as soon as the game was over, there was this tongue lashing via the fan base against Jimmy Garoppolo. And look, you know me. When Jimmy G plays bad, I'll tell you. He was awful against the Broncos. Awful. He was better, but not great, against the Rams. Now, against Carolina, he was pretty darn good. I think against Carolina, that was really good Jimmy G. Now, the question was, is he going to have those oh-no throws? What Jimmy are we going to get on Sunday against the Falcons? And I'm here to tell you, folks, if anyone is out there slandering Jimmy Garoppolo, they're an idiot. Jimmy Garoppolo, he has his faults. He threw two picks. One really doesn't count, but he threw a bad pick in this game. I'll give it to you. Shouldn't have done it. Cost the team a drive. You can't make that happen. You can't do that stuff. But guess what? Jimmy, in this game, instead of being 29 for 41, he should have been 32 for 41 for 350 plus yards with a 9, maybe 10 yards an average per attempt, with potentially more than two touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo was not bad in this game. He was, in fact, good enough to win this game. Kyle Shanahan said himself, Garoppolo was on fire in this game against Atlanta. He was slicing and dicing. He was surgical against Atlanta's offense, or defense, excuse me, in the first half. Jimmy G... With And let's make this very clear. San Francisco could not run the football to save their lives. Jeff Wilson Jr., hey man, I know it's Halloween season. You ghost? Where you been? Invisible. You were great the last two weeks. You had 100 yards against Carolina. Where were you on Sunday against Atlanta? Seven carries. 25 yards and a huge fumble that ultimately, in my opinion, was the biggest play of the game. At least when it came to early, setting a tone, trying to claw your way back, make a statement against Atlanta's defense. What'd you do? You coughed it up, gave it right back to Atlanta, and they scooped and scored that thing. Hey, Jeff Wilson Jr., you let the team down. This while the loss isn't on you because that's unfair, you were a non-factor in a game where you should have been able to run the ball against Atlanta's defense. Atlanta's run defense, while not awful, isn't world beaters, but they beat your run defense that was near the top of the NFL with non-world beaters. So, explain to me what's going on. But as soon as Jeff Wilson Jr. was ineffective, it was, here's Tevin Coleman game. what Tevin Coleman do? Four carries, three yards, .8 yards per carry. There's a problem when 
essentially a non-mobile quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo is averaging more yards per carry than your starting two running backs. Hey Kyle, hey Jeff Wilson Jr., hey Tevin Coleman, what are you doing? I don't know if it's missed blocks, that could be the case, and if that's the case, hey offensive line, tighten it up. Hey Banks, hey Burford, Brendel was not good in this game, my god. The issue is, they got a backup center. And we didn't see Brunskill as far as I know in this game, which I thought he might get replaced for Brunskill. But McGlinchey was okay, he wasn't awful, but wasn't good, he had an injury, so I can get him a pass. The offensive line and pass protection was pretty good. But running the ball was... There was nothing to be found. And you and I both know that when this offense cannot run the football, it limits what Kyle Shanahan can do offensively. And in return, limits what Jimmy Garoppolo can do offensively. Now... That again becomes another gripe because the biggest knock on Jimmy, the one thing that most fans who are anti Jimmy or at least have realistic complaints against Jimmy are he does not push the ball down the field. Well, I hate to break it to you folks, but Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm not trying to be this Jimmy Garoppolo lover, I'm just stating the facts. Jimmy had three. Three 30-plus yard passes that would have set San Francisco up with at least three points three different times in this game. That could have potentially, again, potentially led to three touchdowns in this game. Guess what? None of them counted. Ray Ray McLeod dropped a big pass. That could have been a touchdown pass for all we know. Charlie Warner, and let's be clear, I do like Charlie Warner. But that play is likely supposed to be Tyler Croft, not Charlie Warner. That being said, you are an NFL tight end. Catch the football. I don't care if you have your head or your hands on your head or your face in the grass. You have a job. You didn't pick up your end of the bargain. And Brandon Ayuk, big toe-tap catch on the sideline. Brendel gets called for holding. Three plays, all for 30-plus yards through the air. Jimmy Garoppolo did his part to put the ball where his receivers could catch it, and all three of them, albeit two of them and Jake Brendel, let them down. If McLeod and Warner both catch those passes, guess what? That's at least six points, at least six points, and the score is 28-20 to with 10 minutes left, and it's San Francisco's ball on their own one-yard line. And you can take as long as you want, and I mean, by golly, they did. They took eight minutes, 16 plays, and scored nothing. Nothing. But my point more so bringing that up is, Jimmy was slinging it. He was doing his job. And in this game alone, despite the upsetting loss, he passed Colin Kaepernick for the 7th most passing touchdowns and passing yards. He made history. Again, he also picked up his end of the bargain, despite the two picks 
Jimmy G was really good. Really good in this game. Good enough to win. In a game where many fans will point to, well, he's just not good enough to win games when the running game isn't working. That's not the case. Jimmy G was good enough to win this game with no running game. The fact is, his fourth string receiver and his third string tight end can't catch a freaking football, and his starting center can't not, and actually on this play alone, Brendel fell down and the refs called the flag while he was falling on his back after being trucked by a defender. It shouldn't even have been a holding call. That's how bad this game was in regards to everything that could go wrong was going wrong. They weren't getting calls. They weren't catching balls. Not trying to rhyme, but it goes pretty well together. Right? And, look, the offense this year, despite Ayuk having eight receptions, a great game by Ayuk, two touchdowns, 83 yards, 11 targets. George Kittle, eight receptions, 83 yards, 10 targets. Devo Samuel, seven receptions, 79 yards, 10 targets. Ayuk, Kittle, and Samuel all averaged above 10 yards per catch in this game. Even Kyle Juszczyk had four receptions on four targets, nearly plus eight and a half yards per catch. San Francisco, besides running the football in the passing game, did everything you and I have been asking them to do. They got their stars the football. They targeted their top three guys 31 times combined. They all had seven plus catches for 75 plus yards, two touchdowns, and they still lost. They even pushed the ball down the field multiple times. Yet none of them, being Warner and McLeod, could catch the ball. Now, kudos to McLeod for having a big return and setting up a good drive for San Francisco's offense. A touchdown drive helped tie the game up in the first half. That being said, when you're down 21-14, to 14, and it's your ball to start the half, this is your chance to snag momentum and show Atlanta, hey, we are not going away. You are going to have to continue to try to put your neck or your foot on our neck, on our throat, and then every time you try, we're going to get back up every single time and continue to show you we're not going anywhere. It's like the 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 DiCaprio Wolf Wall Street. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. That's what San Francisco had a chance to do to tie the game up once again. Then D R O P drop drop. Then at that point it was too late. Atlanta was hogging the football, playing keep away, and when. When you give your opposition a touchdown via a fumble through your offense, I mean, come on, guys. You are essentially giving the game away. But in that second half, and I think this is, this is, I don't want to say the epitome, but if this could encompass the Shanahan 
scheme, the Shanahan era in San Francisco. Since Kyle Shanahan took over as head coach in 2017, the Niners have been trailing by 7-plus points, entering the fourth quarter 24 times. I'll give you 5 seconds. How many times out of those 24 games do you think they've won? That's right. Not 5, not 4, not 3, not 2, not 1. They have won 0 times when trailing by 7 plus points entering the 4th quarter. Their largest quote-unquote after 3 quarter deficit when they overcame was by 4 points. Kyle Shanahan's teams historically have been awful in the 4th quarter. Awful. And that continued against the Falcons on Sunday. And in fact, it's continued all the way throughout the year. Kyle Shanahan's offense this year, in the second half alone, has a total of 36 points. That's just the offense. That's not including Hufunga's pick six against the Rams. Now I get it. You played in the monsoon. You had a change of quarterback. I get it, right? But what if I told you essentially the exact same offense that went to an NFC championship game? An offense that, at least based on the roster construction, the players on the team, has been, for a certain extent this year, better than your 2019 team. That was the number two offense in football. At least in points scored at 25. What if I told you this offense. Led by Jimmy G. With Debo. And Ayuk. And Kittle. For four of the games. And Jeff Wilson Jr. Had only averaged. Or is only averaging. Six second half points. Against Atlanta, and maybe outside of the Panther game this year, and maybe outside the Seahawks game as well, where you're up big, and you have a cushion, San Francisco, including Kyle Shanahan, have basically been telling that defensive unit, hey, win us the game. We can't score. We're not going to do our job. We're counting on you to play two sides of the ball. Two sides of the ball. I mean, my goodness. It's just... That is extremely frustrating. Extremely frustrating if you're a Niner fan. To know that this quote-unquote offensive genius that I think me and you can both agree is a good head coach, a good offensive mind, that his offense with a quarterback that took you, and I'll say took you, to a Super Bowl and an NFC Championship game, he's not even averaging a touchdown, not even seven points in the second half this year. And look, I'll even take it further. I'll give you some more stats. The record books show that since 1991, Kyle Shanahan's record of 2-36 and when trailing by 5-plus points in the 4th quarter, ranks him tied for the 100th spot 
out of 120 coaches with 25 chances. Like, come on, Shanahan. What happens from quarter or half one to half two? Is it the script that changes? And I can't speak for every game in my head. Not many of them come to mind, I'll be honest with you. But in 2019, a big conversation for Sala and Shanahan was they cannot make second half adjustments. And while I don't know if that conversation needs to be had again, or at least brought to the light again, it definitely seems like that's creeping back up. And San Francisco, coming into this game, they were down 14-0. They had not overcome a 14-point deficit in the first quarter to win a game since October 13th, 2014, against the Rams. They've lost 10 straight games when trailing 14-0 in the first quarter. So, essentially, you have four quarters, or I'll even say three, to climb your way back in the game. And you can't do it. I don't know if it's uh, getting in the mind of Shanahan. And again, in this game, this take that, I guess, last drive of the game that wasn't the actual final drive, but was the, I guess, the second to last drive of the game that went 16 plays, 8 minutes, and they got nothing out of it. Take that drive. When you know that you have to score quickly, when you know that you're down by two touchdowns and have one quarter and maybe, at the most, three drives, three chances for your offense to score points. Why does it take you eight minutes to not even get into your opposition's red zone? It took them five minutes just to make it to their own 20-yard line. Hey, Kyle, what's up with that? Where's the energy? Where's the urgency? If, while you don't want to hit the panic button, you gotta be hitting, hey, DEFCON 3, DEFCON 3, someone start moving their freaking butt and get to the line of scrimmage and get some plays out. Instead, it's dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk, and then out of freaking nowhere, we're getting running plays by Tevin Coleman, who ain't done you-know-what all game. Tevin Coleman averaged .3 yards, .8 yards on the ground, yet he's the one you put in there for a freaking draw play and a pitch play on third and one, setting up a fourth and one when you need 14 points to tie the game. I don't know how you... Explain that to your fan base. Now, again, I'm not an offensive genius. I'm not an OC. I'm not a head coach. I'm not looking at game tape and game film. I'm just telling you what I see, Kyle. I'm just telling you, it doesn't make sense. And the frustrating part of all of this is that, look, San Francisco should have won this game. But the underlying issue is that this is another example of Kyle Shanahan not learning from past mistakes. And trust me, I am not part of the, the coalition that believes Shanahan should be fired. That's ridiculous. He's a good head coach that has, unfortunately, multiple fatal flaws. And there's a reason they compare him to Andy Reid. 
The guy who was always a bridesmaid, never a bride until he got Mahomes. Now you're hoping that Lance can be that person, that quarterback for Kyle Shanahan. But Trey Lance ain't changing the play calling. He's not changing the 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 down-to-the-wire decision-making. Jimmy Garoppolo looked good in this game. He was slinging it. He had three plays that should have got them 30-plus yards, and Kyle Shanahan, with the game on the line, was still choosing to run with Tevin frickin' Coleman. I mean, what does a guy gotta do to get some trust from his head coach? There was more urgency on the final drive of the first half than there was in the fourth quarter from the offense that actually had a chance to put Atlanta on their heels and say, hey, we're coming. Instead, it was a, yeah, I guess we'll try. We'll give it our best shot. There was this methodical, stuck in the mud in the quicksand, this, this, oh my God. Again, how do you explain that drive to your fan base that is sitting there watching the TV in the stand saying, we got a chance. Put your freaking foot on the gas pedal and hit that sucker to the floor but instead, you're going 25 and a 45. Hey, Kyle, put your right foot down. Gas is on the right, my friend. There's no speed radar. You can freaking speed and floor it. This is your only chance. Like, by all means, if you got it, like, Kyle Shanahan loves Lil Wayne. I'm going to ask him to maybe listen to Eminem's 8 Mile. Because you got one chance, Kyle. This is not a chance to freaking let it blow. You're going to tell me that you waited six freaking years to come back to Atlanta after all the talk of he blew a Super Bowl and then you blew another one in 2019 and then you're going to come back and go, this is a homecoming and it doesn't mean much to me and then put on that performance? I don't know what it is with Kyle Shanahan. And I get it. He cannot control players dropping passes. He cannot control missed blocks. He cannot control what the defense does. That's not on him. But the issue is, when the offense was rolling, the defense wasn't. And when the defense gave that offense a chance, that had some missed opportunities but still had a chance... You freaking put the emergency brake on and said, I don't know what's going on. Why won't the car move? Get up and move the ball. You have a quarterback that, by all means, the knock on him was he can't push the ball down the field. At least he's trying. At least he's trying to net you big chunk yardage. It ain't Jimmy's fault guys can't catch. It ain't his fault. Centers are getting called for holding when it's not. But I can tell you, Kyle, it's your fault when you're not actively trying to put your team in a position to win games. There's a reason this team is 3-3. Three and three, And there's a mixture of things. Bad quarterback play against Denver. I'm on suit in Chicago. Some fumbles. But you just lost to the Falcons, who are not a good team. In a team that we all knew, if you gave them a chance, that they're going to fight. And, hey Kyle, Mr. Shanahan, ring, ring, pick up the phone, and when you do, it's going to be me screaming, wake up! 
You're three and three. You got the Chiefs next at home with Mahomes, who just lost to the Bills. They're going to be hungry. They're going to want to show you that, hey, we don't have Tyreek Hill. We can still beat you. Our defense may not be good. We're still going to put up 40 against that number one defense you call yourselves. That just let the Falcons offense put up 21 points, the most any opposing team has all year against your defense. Oh, you got Nick Bosa back? What does that mean to us? I'm Patrick frickin' Mahomes. And you better hope that the Rams off the bye week aren't coming in saying, yeah, come back to SoFi. Remember what happened last year here when you lost and we went to the Super Bowl? You have set yourself up, albeit things could change. They could be 5-3. and three. But Shanahan and this team and this offense and the defense has put themselves in a position to be in the exact same place they were last year. And you and I both know how hard that was to dig out of. And it's the same issues over and over and over again. A lack of urgency, shooting yourself in the foot, not putting your foot on the throat of an opponent when you have the chance. When your offense is averaging six points in the second half, hey, guess what? That's what happens, and that's what leads to you blowing a Super Bowl. That's what leads to you blowing an NFC Championship game. And guess what? Those problems have lingered for four years. Nothing has changed. And for someone like myself who sees the potential for this fan base who was crying and dying and screaming that this could be our year. At this moment, at 3-3, three and three, despite them being in first place and the positive things that can come from this team. Many fans are sitting here saying, wrap it up. Because look what you did against Atlanta. The same problems that have haunted you since you were in Atlanta, you've not learned from. And look, again, not everything is on Kyle. It's unfair to do that. Just like not everything's on Jimmy or the defense, not everything's on Kyle. This has to be a complete roster, playing complimentary football, getting healthy, all those things matter. But when the fan base can see there's an issue, when the coaching staff can leave a game after losing and saying, yes, we knew the problem, we just couldn't stop them. Do you think that's what we want to hear? That, hey, we knew what the issue was, we, we just couldn't fix it. Like, what what are we supposed to think? That that makes you sound incapable of doing your job when you need to. And I don't think that's the case. Kyle's a good head coach, a good offensive mind. Tamika Ryan's a great defensive coordinator. But you come to us and say, yeah, we we know what the problem was. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yep, you're right. It's pretty simple. We lost this game because X, Y, and Z. Well, how do you fix X, Y, and Z, Kyle? I don't know. How come you didn't fix it? We just couldn't. Why? And I'm not telling you you have to tell me. I want you to show me. I am... The NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. 
The Giants are 5-1. Nobody cares who they were last year. Not a single soul. Nobody cares who you were last year. Hey, Kyle. And Jimmy. And Demeca Ryans. And Warner. And Bosa. And whoever else needs to hear this. Nobody cares how much you beat the Carolina Panthers by. They have a bum freaking quarterback. And a bad offensive line. And a young defense that is now trying to trade all their pieces away because the owner doesn't know what the heck he's doing. And now they have a defensive-minded head coach who was a failure in Arizona. Nobody cares. It's, what have you done for me on that Sunday? And on this past Sunday, you lost to the Atlanta Falcons. A team that's not that good. A team that has no business being in a game with you. Against a quarterback... That you allowed to have just one incompletion. But San Francisco, they've had the number one defense in football. They have an offense that put up 37 points last week. Can you carry it over? I don't know. I I don't know who this team is. And I have gone from the last three weeks of, hey, I don't know who this team is, to Super Bowl favorites, baby, back to who the heck are you? It is this two-faced style of play that makes me want to buy in and then completely sell my stocks. And that is the exact opposite place you want to be as a franchise. If you don't know your identity, you're lost. You're lost. San Francisco has to get back to playing Kyle Shanahan Run first, play action second, football. And I get it, maybe once Trent Williams gets back, if McGlinchey's healthy, maybe you can get back to that. But at this very moment, coming off a week six loss to the Falcons, that's a tough sell. A very, very tough sell. For a team that should be 4-2. And, and actually should be 6-0. and That's a tough sell. A very, very tough sell. And look, let's end positively. Because I know I've ripped this team and Kyle and Jimmy and the defense. I get it. Right? Let's end positively. San Francisco is 3-3. Three and three. Among the 3-3 three and three teams, they are the best of the bunch. And that includes... The Packers, and the Buccaneers, and the Rams, and the Seahawks. This team is built for a run. This team is built to win this division. And this team, in my opinion, can still do all of those things. I just want consistency. To where when every single throw or every single play is called, I'm not sitting there biting my nails saying, what is going to happen next? Maybe I care too much. <laughs> maybe maybe that's the case. But I'm sure yourself, just like myself, can see the potential of a team that has the recipe to win a Super Bowl. And that limit is not being reached. This team, for whatever reason, has to get back to playing Kyle Shanahan football. They're still in first place. They can beat the Chiefs still. Nick Bosa might come back. Trent Williams might come back. If Booty Ward's not hurt and McGlinchey's not hurt, this team has a fighting chance. 
They're at home. They're currently two and a half point underdogs. Prove the sports books wrong. Become undefeated. Continue to be undefeated at home. Take it to Kansas City. Their defense ain't nothing. The question is, can the offense play a complete four quarters? Can the defense bounce back and play another complete four quarters? On Sunday, it was, the offense looks really good, the defense sucks. Flip in the second half. It was, the offense stinks, the defense is really good. Can you play a complete four quarters for the second time this year? The other time being the Carolina game against a bad team. This is your grueling part of the season. You got the Chiefs, the Rams on a bye week, the Chargers, and the Cardinals. Four games. Four games. Are you going to be 3-5? and five? Are you going to be 3-7? and seven? Are you going to be 4-4? and, be four and four? What's it going to be? 5-5? Five and five? There's so many ways this can go, and to pick those games, I get it week by week, you have to figure things out, but... I don't know who this team is. And I don't think anybody does. All I know is I have complete belief they can figure this thing out. But on Sunday against the Falcons, it was a head-scratcher. A complete and utter head-scratcher. And that being said, look, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in and hearing me whine and complain and scream and be sick for the past two podcasts. And also, I want to let you know that, again, save yourself some money. Gas is high, inflation's big. Things are expensive nowadays. Go support this Snyder team play. Help the faithful. They travel well. Travel well to Levi's on Sunday against the Chiefs and save yourself some money. In the meantime, use promo code 49ERSACCESS. 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself some money. Support the Niners against the Chiefs this Sunday. And even support them when they go to Levi's South in two two weeks against the Los Angeles Rams. Again, promo code 49ERSACCESS. 49ERSACCESS. It's cheaper. It's a discount. You're saving some money. And 20 bucks can pay for your parking, I guess. So, really, you're saving just enough to pay for something else. <laughs> With that being said... You're also going to want to follow us on social media. Is Trent Williams going to play on Sunday? Who's healthy? What's the injury report? You're going to want to follow us on Twitter. That is 49ers underscore access. The Instagram is 49ers dot access. 49ers dot access is the Instagram for all the injury updates, news updates, hot takes. Could Christian McCaffrey come to San Francisco? You're going to want to follow us on social media. That being said, my name is Sterling Bennett. And until next time, this has been the 49er Access Podcast. And stay faithful.